0: Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence... and then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me.
1: Thank you, thank you everyone. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for that lovely warm welcome. And why don't you put your hands together again and welcome people joining us online, wherever you are today in our cities. Great to be with you today. And welcome everyone to part four of this series, looking at this wonderful book of Philippians and covering this challenging, encouraging theme of radical partnership. Now, as you listen to the reading that you just heard now, I wonder how you would summarise how Paul's heart seems to be towards the church at Philippi. Well, my sense is that he's really coming across as a proud parent or grandparent. There's that sense of affection. You hear these phrases like beloved, friends, or dearly beloved. And you can see he loves these people. He loves being amongst them. But there's also a sense of pride at who they have become and who they are becoming. Now, talking of proud parents and proud grandparents, so I have your permission to share some photos? Uh, to be honest, I don't need it because I'm going to show you them anyway. But anyway, here we go. I want to show you some photos of of our second grandchild. His name is Nathaniel, and we shorten his name to Nat. Here he is, first of all, as a baby in my wife's arms. It's worth an an even bigger R than that, surely. (laughs) Now, I I love babies like the the nearest person. You know, they're, they're wonderful to have around, but let's face it, they're basically eating, sleeping, crying and pooing machines. So God bless all the parents around. Uh, Here here he is a few months later. Um, (laughs) Now, the the title for this particular photo is actually Nat versus Green Beans. Um, He's in the stage of learning to feed himself. Um, And as you can see, he's discovering what he does like (laughs) and he's discovering what he doesn't like. Um, third picture is, is a little bit later on. This is now Nat, not long ago. Now look closely at the picture. Can you work out what he's doing? Okay, he's an 18 month old. He's found out where the ice cream is. He's gone in, he's opened the drawer. He's pulled out the ice cream. And then mum says, Nat, what are you doing? So that's his smile of going, oh mum, how could I possibly be naughty? And he's actually about to go on oh, and eat some. Now, I don't know about you, but I mean, I'm a granddad. So when I look at that, I'm just like, oh, I'm so proud of my little boy. Look at him, he's growing up, he's learning what to do. He's learning what he likes and what he doesn't like. I'm proud of him, there's a joy in that. But actually, there's another thought in me as well, which is, if he's like that 20 years from now, still walking around in his nappy, trying to manipulate people by his cute little smile, how many are like, no, there's a bit more in you than that? As a granddad, I'm like, now. I want to call out of you everything that God has got for your life. Don't stay as a baby, become the man that God has created you to be. Now, in many ways, that's the heart of what I want to to share with you today. Um, Zia and I have been part of the, the church family here in Peterborough, Cambridge, Leicester online for the last 25 years. And it's been my privilege to come on staff at Zia Two for about the last 15. And I, I would say with Pastor Karen that I wouldn't wanna be anywhere else doing anything else with anyone else. It's probably the greatest joy and privilege of my life to play some small part in this local church family of partnering with you, hundreds, Thousands of you over those years, but also partnering with Jesus to get on the greatest mission on planet Earth, which is to see people's lives being changed. So, um, if you like, I'm here to, today to say to you, Well done, Kingsgate. It's a joy to be part of this church. You know, some of you I know really well, you've really changed. For the better. God is doing an amazing work in your life, and many, many of you within the church. That's the case. But I'm not here just to say well done. I'm also here to say God has more for you. Wherever you are on your journey with Jesus, He has more to give you, more to produce in you and through you. Now it's possible that you're here today online or in the room and you're like it's your first time in church. Or You've been coming for a while and you wouldn't count yourself a Christian. We are delighted that you're here. We really hope you'll enjoy your time with us. And even though the majority of what I'm gonna be saying is to the church, please listen in. The end of our time together, we're gonna give you opportunity to join us in this community and go on that journey with us of seeing lives change. But what I wanna look at particularly is two characteristics here that Paul gives us as people called to be radical partners. Here's the first one. First thing he calls us to is, and the church at Philippi is to radical obedience. Now, a little bit of context. Uh, Chapter two, verse 12b, we heard it a moment ago. Paul says to them, continue. Say continue. Okay, so you know what continue means? You're doing well, now keep at it. Don't stop there. He says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, what does that phrase, work out your salvation mean? When I first became a Christian, I thought it meant salvation meant a one-off and done thing that for me happened 42 years ago in a little town called Sowerby Bridge in the middle of God's Own County of Yorkshire, where I said yes to Jesus. And I used to think that's what salvation is. It was a very important moment in my life. And I thought Paul was saying, hey, work out what happened there, a so look back. No, no, no. Salvation is a much richer word than that. When Paul says this phrase, what he's saying is, God began something remarkable in you there. Now for the rest of your life, go on a journey of, and the phrase is, coming to completion of all that he has for you to do. In other words, we might say, if you're a Christian, you were saved. When Jesus comes again, you're gonna be fully saved. at the person next to you and say, that's really good news. You're gonna be even better than you are now fully what God wants to be but right now you're living in the in between time we are becoming saved becoming all God wants us to be now let me just show you a a photo here this this is a a picture on the screen of a very famous sculpture of David now that's Old Testament David Psalm 23 David the shepherd king now this sculpture was done by Michelangelo and was generally reckoned to be one of the most amazing the most beautiful sculptures that's ever been done. Now, for the the sake of being uh, careful in a British context, you're only seeing half of the sculpture. Uh, It's about five metres tall, uh, even even taller than me, if you can believe that. And it's an absolutely stunning piece of art. Now, when Michelangelo was asked, so how how did you do that? Kind of almost like, where did that come from? What he said was, I saw David in the raw block of marble. In fact, I understand that, that some of the sculptures had, had rejected the block of marble. They didn't think anything could be done with it. But he said, No, I actually saw David in there and then all I had to do was chip away at the edges, chip away different bits here and there until the real David emerged from out of that block. Now, I believe that is a picture of what God wants to do in your life and in my life. Did you know he loves you right now? just as you are, whether you feel like a complete block of marble or you know that you're changing and there's good things going on in your life. But I tell you, He sees more in you and He sees who you can be and who He wants you to be. And what He wants to do in your life is beautiful. It's glorious. It's stunning so that you become the best version of who God has made you to be. I wonder if I was asked you to to put your hand up, if you you were saying, well, I'm aware there are a few rough bits. If I'm in that marble, there's some things, if I'm honest, some habits I'm not very proud of. There's some things I'd like to change. There's there's some things I'm aware that are in the Bible that I've read that Paul said to the Philippians that they aren't quite true for me yet. So the question is, how how do you go from the, the place where you are now to where God wants you to be? Well, it's two things. Paul's saying there are two things that come together. On the one hand, it's God's loving, powerful presence. And on the other hand, it's your and my radical obedience. So let's think first of all about that loving power and presence of God in our lives. You know, when someone becomes a Christian, a remarkable thing happens. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of a human being. And he comes to presence himself there. In fact, Paul says, you are, if you're a Christian here, Paul says, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now get your head around that. What the Bible is saying is none other than God, the creator of the universe, the one to whom nothing is impossible, who's holy and awesome has come to live on the inside of you. You're not just a human being, you have God by spirit living in you. And in fact, Paul uses other temple language where he says, not only has the spirit come to live in you, so you're, there's a sacredness about you and his presence in you. There's also something where he's come to live among us. That we as the people of God in radical partnerships, God's presence is not just in us, it's between us. He is here. That's why Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, God has come to dwell on the inside of you and me. His power is infinite. His love is perfect and he's able to change us and he's proactively at work. Paul says that, he said, he's God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. In other words, he's making you to become more and more pleasing to God. Now, how many of you think that's great why haven't I changed as much as I want to? Why is it I didn't suddenly become Mr. Perfect or Mrs. Perfect the moment I became a Christian? Well, it's simply because there's another side to the equation, that's you and I have to walk in obedience. So now we come to the main thrust of this point, which is radical partners are called to radical obedience. Just listen to how Paul describes the church at Philippi. He says, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. In other words, what is radical obedience? Radical obedience is not a one-off. I did it 20 years ago when I did a good thing. It's an ongoing lifetime's journey of saying yes to everything that God says to us in his word and by his spirit. It's a choice that says, for the rest of my life, God, I want to grow in obedience to you. It's uh, Eugene Peterson, the the author of uh, The Message, he He says it's long obedience in the same direction. That's why Paul is saying, well done, Church of Philippi, but don't stop now, continue, because he's got more for you. It's about surrendering every area of our lives to Jesus, our relationships, our sexuality, It's about what we do with our money. It's about what we do with our time. It's about saying yes to God for his plan for your future. When I became a Christian many, many years ago, it's a great Christian community. And the phrase we kept saying, what does it mean to be a Christian? Well, it's saying Jesus Christ is Lord of all or not at all. It's a full-on, full-on business. Jesus is number one in our lives. Now, as an aside, that call to obedience applies to how you and I relate to God, but it also applies to how we relate to one another. Because actually, if you read this this passage carefully, every time you see the word you, it's not singular, it's plural. So it's not you, it's kind of you, you, yous, yous guys, you together. Paul's talking about the community. In other words, everything that Chris said last week in his brilliant message applies today. Remember that? You before I. Look, can, can I exhort us again? Let's be a people who pursue humility. Let's be a people who pursue unity of the Spirit. And let's be a people who keep serving one another. Is that an amen? amen. It's like, let, let, let's who we want to be. But primarily here today, I just want to call you to say, where is God at work in your life right now? Where is he prompting you to new measures of obedience. See, i said I've been a Christian 40 years. As I look back over that time, I think back to the early days of my walk with Jesus. And it was like, in those early days, I felt like he was taking a chisel and he was smacking great big lumps of marble that needed to come off so that the best Simon Deeks could begin to emerge. Let me give you an example. I I remember very early on, um, I just stopped swearing. I'd been really good at swearing before I became a Christian. Holy Spirit came to live on the inside of me. And and literally the next day I just stopped. I didn't try, it just kind of happened. Now, what was that about? I believe it's about the holy presence of God coming in our lives. And he just says, that's just not fit. For a child of the King, that's not appropriate. Now, I'd like to say in every area of my life, it was kind of God just did it and I walked in it, but it's, it's required obedience. So in those early days, I remember, it's like he was working on what I looked at, what I was listening to and what was coming out of my mouth. It was like he was chipping away at the deke's head, which was pretty ugly in those days. And I remember, the, I really, a couple I remember particularly was, Simon, what is it that you're filling your soul with when you listen to music? God put his finger on music. Now, it won't surprise you to know, I had a fairly impressive collection of heavy metal music. I know you're not surprised. And it was, I had this collection, pile of LPs. Put your hand up if you know what an LP is. Half the room goes up, half goes down. I at what you're talking about. Plastic stuff that you listen to music on. And God said to me, what are you listening to? Uh, and I realised it was not the kind of, there was violence in it, there was aggression in it. It was just downright, Nasty, the stuff I was listening to. God said, This is very simple. I want you to burn it and I want you to smash it. My friends were saying, Sell it and raise some money. Because <laughs> I was like, No, but so I had a little bonfire back in my garden, took them out, got all my LPs, smashed them, and I burnt them. Then, then I, I, was, I went to a party a few months later with some of my friends who were also Christians, just in a friend's house. Um, and he said, We're going to watch this film. Now I knew enough about that film, I knew it was an 18. I knew there was a lot of sex in it. And I said to my friends, I said, I can't watch that. I am just not self-controlled enough to watch that and still love Jesus at the same time. So they said, no, we're still going to watch it. So I walked out. It's like, no, God, I need to be radical about what you've called me to be and do. And so I'm not saying that to... To condemn anybody, but for me, I, could, I can't watch an 18. If you said, "Watch this! It's an 18," it'll be okay. I'm like, <laughs> it's not a decision for me. The decision's made. I'm not having that stuff in my house, and I'm not having that stuff in my life because I know how it pollutes the condition of my heart. And I have a holy one living on the inside of me. Now, for me, those early years, as I say, it was like big chunks came off. But actually, you know, I think the longer you walk with Jesus, it's like you realise the way he chisels is much, its gentle. He comes and you get a whisper of the Spirit, where he shows you who you can be, who he wants you to be. And it's not only about getting rid of stuff, it's about becoming. You know, no, Paul says, he says, you becoming blameless and pure, children of God without fault. In other words, there's a growing into who God has made you to be. And about, I'd say, my experience, particularly the last four or five years, has, just, has not been a sudden breakthrough. It's been a steady growing to become more like Jesus. I'll give you an example. Probably five years ago, God started working with me on the whole area of low levels of anxiety, where the common, my common experience was waking up in the morning, probably three out of seven days in a typical week of feeling anxiety initially really anxious about what's coming up during the day. Now, I still experience some of that, okay, if there's a big thing coming up. But over time, as I've learned to say, Lord, I give that to you, please help me. I, have, I wouldn't say it's gone completely. There are still times when I have to handle anxiety, but he's just chipped away and he's revealed who he is. And I've learned to trust him more and more and more. And he's got more. He's got more that he wants to do in our lives. So really, all all I wanna ask you today is is, where's God chipping away at your life? Is it a big chunk? Is it like there's a whole area of sexual purity? And whereas whereas Paul could say to the Philippians, you obey when I'm watching and when I'm not watching. Are there things where people are not watching and you're you're just ashamed of it? And it really is time to get free. It's time to move away from that big chunk and I wanna to say to you, don't just sit here feeling guilty. We're in radical partnership. Get on a freedom day in a few weeks time. Talk to a trusted friend who can help you on that journey. Get some people to pray for you. And for those of you who like me been on journey a long time, God has more for you. Let's keep pressing in for it. So number one, God calls us to be to radical obedience. But then second, Paul actually also calls us to stand out. If you listen to me, he's been talking about how they should change. And then he says this, he gives a description of how they are to become. And he says, then you will shine among them. And he's talking about society. You will shine among them like stars in the sky. So, so if you like, Paul, Paul's call here is to, to the church of Philippi, to you and me say, let's be people who stand out like stars against the dark background. In other words, the background is dark, but as you live for Jesus, you are like a star shining out. The, the, the darker the darkness gets, the more it's possible for you and I to shine out. It's it's a call to live countercultural, to say we will not be shifted by the way the world is going. We will not think that way. We will not act that way. We will act according to the way Jesus has called us to be. It's countercultural. It's light, not in a weird way. God's not calling you to be weird. It's going to be different in a positive, life giving way. Now, let me give you an example. I, some of you will know I like cycling. I am not a cyclist, but I like cycling. They are two very different things. And anyone who's got into cycling will know one of the goals is you've always got to try and get some better equipment. Now, recently, I had an absolute revelation where someone gave me a jacket that lights up. Yeah, those are your cyclists. You're like, I want one of those. Now, if you can imagine I'm cycling out just wearing this. I don't stand out very well, particularly if it's in a dark evening. But with my new jacket, when I put it on, it's got LED lights here and here and behind me. And I can, they can flash, they can scream in your face, they can do whatever you want to do. And I wear that because I feel safe. And, and this is the one you're going to love, it's got lights down there that don't flash unless you do that. You really want one now, don't you? So it's like, I'm indicating to people behind me and ahead that I'm turning right. So if you see me (laughs) on my way to Kingsgate, it's because the LEDs aren't working very well. But here's the thing, why do I wear that? Because I need to stand out for safety. Why do you and I need to stand out? Because there is a world around you that really needs Jesus. Why is that jacket so effective? Because it's got a battery and power in it. And when I press the button, the lights come on. Why can you be different? Because you've got Jesus living on the inside of you. And when you just live as he's called you to live, you will shine out. Now, Paul gives us two simple ways. How do you do that? How do you and I shine out in a, a society like ours, in a time like ours? Well, I don't have to tell you how dark things are. Well, he gives us two thing, simple things. Number one, speak words of life. Uh, verse 14, he says, do everything. How many of you know what everything means? Everything, what, where does that cover? Everywhere, so that means at home, means at work, means when you're on your own, when you're watching the football or the rugby, whatever, do everything what, without grumbling or arguing. You know what grumbling is? It's that, bad day, it's too cold. I don't like this, my boss is not so good. It's that mumbling, groaning thing. Now, I wonder if you'd agree that if we got rid of that from our lives, we would start to stick out. You know, where, where, I, where I live, I love to go walking in the mornings and i always say hello to people. I like to ask them, how are you doing? Now, being, most of them being British, the answer I get, the top answer is, oh, not bad. That's positive. Or you get the great British classic, Can't Complain. Which actually means in the original Greek, what it actually means is, if only there was something specific to moan about, believe you me, I'd tell you, and then we'd both be better off for it. <laughs> now, how many of you think we can do better than that? Yeah, we've got a lot to be grateful for as people who've come to know Jesus. What was Jesus known for? Luke 4, says, all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from from his lips. wouldn't it be wonderful if people said, what, what are people at Kingsgate like? Oh, they bring gracious words, whatever, kind words, generous words. Now, let me just for a minute, give you an example, which is it's actually my wife, it's Zia. And many years ago, she set herself to speak words of life, when, particularly whenever we're out and about in the community. And that's whether we're on a train, whether in a shop, in fact, pretty much wherever we are, Zia speaks to, seeks to speak out positive words of life to those she meets. She, when, when she meets someone in a, in a shop who's serving her, who's got a name tag, particularly look a bit down, she'll talk to them by name and she'll say thank you to them for serving her. As, as you walk around the town anyway, anywhere, if she, if she can get anyone to stop and engage with her, what she looks to then is she looks to compliment them. And she'll say, oh, I love that. I love your hair. Never said that to me, but said, so I love your hair. I, 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 I love that coat you wear, that colour, that really suits you. Your shoes, you've got gorgeous shoes. That dog, nearly as nice as ours. Beautiful dog you've got. Whatever it is, that baby, gorgeous baby. She just compliments people wherever they go. And what happens actually is people then engage with her. And I I've I, I got used to where we live. If people meet me, they'll say, who are you? And I say, Simon. And they just look blank and they go, I'm married to Zia. They go, oh, you're married to her. And it's like, oh, the woman with words of life. And I'll be honest, there are times and we'll go for a coffee and I'm like, can't we just go to the counter, counter and drink a cup of coffee and eat a biscuit? And then I find myself saying to myself, come on, Simon, Pastor Simon. Be more zeer, speak words of life. So let me say to you, Kingsgate, be more zeer. Speak words of life. Second, Paul says, how do we shine out? He says, not just speak words of life, but he says, share the word of life. The word of life being particularly the good news about Jesus. Now, when you look at the phrase Paul uses here, uh, the NIV translates it as hold firmly to or hold on to, or it can equally accurately be translated as hold out. So Paul is actually saying two things here. He's saying, hold firmly to the gospel if you wanna stand out and speak out, share the good news about who Jesus is. So I wanna say to us today, in a time of darkness, maybe particularly on our front lines, in your workplace, in our neighborhoods, there's never been a more important time to stand on the historic truths of the good news of Jesus. What do I mean by that? Well, in a nutshell, what I mean is we believe Jesus really walked on this earth as a man. We really believe he actually died 2000 years ago on the cross so you could be forgiven and you could come into a relationship with God. We also really believe that he came back from the dead. He conquered sin, he defeated the power of the devil, he defeated death itself and he's raised to life. Why? Because he's God. He's not just a man, he's actually God. He's the unique (laughs) son of God and he's coming again. We really believe one day Jesus is coming back and every one of us will have to give an account to who he is and how we've lived our lives. Let's not move away from the foundation stones of the gospel. That's what will help you shine out. You go in each day to your work and say, these are the truths on which I stand. But Paul also is saying here, he's saying, let's, Hold out the word of life. Let's do it with deeds. Let's be kind. Let's be life. Let's be generous. Let's be positive. And let's speak about Jesus. Let's share what he's done for us and who he is. But you know, how do we do that most effectively? It's actually when we do things together, which I always think is really good news. You know, we shine more as a when we work together as a community. That's why it's radical partnership. It's not you on your own. When we together shine, it does something in our towns and our villages and our cities. A few months ago, many of us were involved in Easter egg hunts. I joined the one where where I live and there must've been 40 or so Kingsgate people serving at least 500 people from our town and the surrounding area. It was fantastic. I was so proud of this Kingsgate Church family. They were amazing. They set up with a smile. They got there early. They made the place look good. They cleared up the litter. Then as people arrived, they welcomed them. They smiled at them. They were generous to them. They put on games. They provided free food. They put a prayer area where if you wanted to, no pressure, you could write a simple prayer. I I just kind of wandered around and was sort of, I pasteurised, I pastored. I went around talking to people. And what the thing that people said to me was that these were people who never encountered Jesus. They said things like, this is great. Thank you for putting this on. Uh, Thank you so much for the work of the people who are here. And then they would ask me questions and they'd say things like, how come it's all free? Why are you doing this? They it's like, why are we doing this? Are we doing this just to give people hot cross buns? No, because Jesus has changed our life and he can change your life. Do you know? <laughs> this, this coming autumn, we have such a chance to shine out. There's so many events going on together as a church. Things like uh, "Light up the night instead of Halloween. Things that the life groups and clusters are doing. But then nine weeks today, in yesterday actually, 62 sleeps, we have our Christmas guest services. Best opportunity of the year for you and I to shine like stars. And all we have to do between now and then is pray, do what God says, and then invite as many people as we possibly can to come and hear the glorious good news of Jesus. So as I bring this, this message to a close, let, let me remind you, God is calling us Paul was calling us, I'm calling us. Let's be a people who again and again commit to radical obedience and let's be a people who stand out, who shine like stars. As as I close this message, let me just read to you verse 16 again, but this time in the message translation. Paul says this, he says, carry the light giving message into the night. There's our commission. So, I'll have good cause to be proud of you on the day that Christ returns. You'll be living proof that I didn't go to all this work for nothing. I I don't know if it's because I have a significant birthday coming up in a few months' time. I'm still a lot younger than Dave, but it's a similar number. I don't know if it's because I'm approaching that, but do you know the reality of Jesus' second coming is more real to me now than it's ever been. For me, it's an absolute certainty. One day, I'm gonna meet Jesus. Whether it's soon or a long time, I don't know. And I want that to drive the way I live between now and then. I I hoped, my sincere desire, that when I meet Jesus and I stand before him, he's gonna say, Simon, you've lived. I'm so proud of you. You've lived your life for my honour, and you've actually, you're a praise to me. The way you've lived brings praise to me. Do you know, I believe that's what God will do on that day. For those of us who've sought to put Jesus first, not always really well, but we've done our best. He's gonna say, well done. Enter into eternity. Come, come into the glory of heaven. So I wanna, I wanna say to, to all of us, what does it mean for you To live in the light of Jesus, the reality, Jesus is coming again. Well, wherever you are, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, please don't delay. Please don't leave it off until a better time. And at the end of the the meeting, either here or wherever you are, you're going to have opportunity to pray a simple prayer where you can say yes to Jesus. And we, we say, we say as a family, please say yes to him. Come and join this journey with us. But for the rest of us, for those of us who are, have already given our lives to Jesus, can I encourage you? Let's make this a moment of fresh surrender where we say, where we fresh say to Jesus, I want my life on that day to bring you pleasure and honour. I wanna please you by the way I live between now and then and, and right now to make fresh surrender. Maybe the, there's a particular area of your life you're like, Jesus, I need your help. Or maybe you need courage because it's tough to live out in a dark place. Well, wherever you are today, we're gonna respond to what we've heard now. So here in the room, let's stand together. So we're gonna bring our service to a close by singing a song, which is a song of worship, where we're saying the phrase, forever let praise be to you. And you know, praise is a combination of our worship in this room. And it's about how you and I live our lives for the rest of the week. And as you sing this song, make it, let's make this a moment where we're going, God, let my life be a reflection of your goodness and your power by the way I live every day, by the way I change, and by the way I shine out for you. So just before we, we sing this, let me just pray. Maybe you want to lay your hand on your heart, just a way of saying, Lord, I'm coming for fresh surrender. Lord, for whatever you, you want me to do next. Let me just pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love us. I thank you too that Jesus, you died for us, that we might become all you've made us to be. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you would move as we sing this song now. I pray you'd move in power among us. And as we fresh surrender, that you would break off us any places where there are long standing patterns that we're ashamed of. And more than that, that you would release in us new measures of your grace and your power. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's. Let's lift our hands. Come on, lift your hands. This is your act of surrender. If Simon, you'd you'd lead us, but let's say a way of
0: saying fresh surrender to the King.